and then we'll go back to leaning on the everlasting arms, yeah. if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, my chains are gone. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Can we have the first slide? Saved a Sorry? We don't. Okay. That's weird. We'll um, find the other side. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of amazing grace. You are Yahweh, Yahweh, the gracious and compassionate God. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for it is by your grace that we have been saved, not by works so that no one can boast. And so we pray as, that we, as we come to your word this morning, we might hear you speaking to us. That your word calls us into many things, and there are many good things that we can do as Christians. But your words call us first and foremost to realise how much you've loved us, how much you've done for us, and that it is your grace to us that enables us to be able to live lives that bring glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to just start for a minute in Luke chapter 15 and a story we've all heard before, but it's such an important story that Jesus told. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father 
said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him, has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. This morning we're looking at that passage, but also the second verse of Amazing Grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. And we'll see what the passage and, and that verse have to do with one another as we go on, I hope. I want to start by thinking about fear. Fear does have a place. I mean, part of the mechanism of fear is to keep you safe from things that are dangerous. Uh, right from you know, a young age we learn, you know, kids learn, they touch the oven, it burnt them. They're afraid of touching the oven now. Um, there is a place that fear has, but fear also does a lot of damage in our world. Fear can lead people to lash out. Fear can lead people to shut themselves away. And we all have, you know, we all have a different relationship with fear. But I'd be fairly willing to bet that everybody in this room has been afraid at some point in their life. You know, so, sometimes it might be something relatively trivial like that large huntsman spider that uh, was making its way up the wall. Sometimes it's something a little bit more serious, like that out, out on that wet or gravel road and suddenly you feel that, that the car is not going the direction it was supposed to be going. Some strange people seem to like making themselves afraid and they, they watch movies about murderers and, or, or documentaries about serial killers and they enjoy the thrill of the fear and the adrenaline that that gives them. This morning I want to look about at the idea of fear but I particularly want to look at this idea of fear of God, of somebody that is afraid of of God. The song says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" 
What does that mean? Why would grace make us afraid? Now, you might, a common response to this might be to say, well, when, when the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about uh, you know, the fear of the Lord. That's talking about a, a reverence for God, a respect, an awe for God. And in a lot of cases, that's very true. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a number of people are comment, uh, commended for their fear of the Lord, which doesn't seem to be in context that you know, they're terrified of him but it's about this deep reverence for God. But that's not the only way that that fear is used in the Bible, and I don't think it's the way that that fear is used in Amazing Grace. Because the very next line says, and grace my fears relieved. Grace will not relieve us of a reverence for God. Um, So that's not the idea of fear that we're looking at. So how did God's grace teach our hearts to fear? I mean, that's, that's the testimony we're giving every time we sing this song. What does it mean? Well, we hear about someone being afraid of God very, very early in the Bible. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3. And this fear is not a deep and reverential respect for God. This fear is a terror of God. The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. So I hid. One of the first things that sin did was it brought about fear. It took this relationship between humanity and God that had been so intimate that it was described as God walking with them and talking with them in the garden. And it has brought fear into this relationship. We see in John 16, talking about the Spirit, Jesus says, Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. This is what we call the conviction that the Spirit brings. Where... People realise, uh, you know, to take the, verse, the, the line of, uh, from, from verse 1 of Amazing Grace, that I am a wretch, a wretch like me. Hebrews 12 tells us the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Before we can receive a saviour, we first need to know that we need saving. In Genesis chapter 3, we see God bring punishment on humanity for their sin. That There is a consequence for their sin. They're brought out of the garden so that they can't eat of the, the tree of life. 
and live forever in the state that they are in. And we see that there are some intrinsic uh, consequences of this sin, is that this fear of God has entered into their relationship. And yet even this is an act of God's grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear is about that moment for each and every one of us where we realised I'm a sinner, where we realised I have rejected the God of the universe and really I'm in very big trouble. When we realise that the punishment for our sins, what what our lives actually deserve is death and to be cast away from God, our creator. Before we can receive a saviour, we need to know that we need saving. We need to know that hell exists and it's what we've earned what we've deserved. Louise and I have recently been watching uh, the show The Chosen. I know a number of you have been uh, watching this show and it's, a, uh, it's a, a TV series all about Jesus and his disciples. And one of the things that I thought was so incredible about the pilot, the first episode, was that Jesus was in about 0.5% of it. And we see the world that Jesus is stepping into. And we see, uh, it, you know, obviously this, it's a dramatised story, but it reminds us of the need that the world had for a saviour. We see Mary Magdalene and her, her possession and the struggles that, you know, and the problems that she was going through. And Nicodemus and the religious leaders who kind of their hearts were in the right place but they really didn't understand God and his love for them and we see uh, you know Peter and the disciples getting into all these squabbles and scrapes and all of these troubles and it's only right at the end of the episode where Jesus appears uh, brings healing to Mary and then kind of he's disappeared just like that and it's just over this 40 minutes builds this really oppressive atmosphere but this really uh, clever way of reminding us how the world needed Jesus in his grace God has given us his gospel and he's given us his spirit and that spirit testifies to our hearts that we have sinned we have fallen short of the glory of God and that We are guilty before him. But, as the beautiful song reminds us, we're not supposed to stay afraid. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. The prodigal son, he realised his desperation and his need somewhere around the time where he was starving to death and feeding pigs. 
And he returned to his father fearful, expecting a hostile reception. And with a whole speech planned out so that you know, hopefully his dad wouldn't just you know, kill him on the spot or run him out of town. He never expected the welcome that he actually received. He only got partway through his pre-prepared speech before you know, his dad had run up to him and grabbed him in a big hug and started calling for the servants to, to get the party started. He never expected that amazing grace, the love of a perfect father. And we know, of course, that perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. Fear might have had a place in our journey. There's an important time for each and every one of us to realise that we're a sinner and that there are consequences for our sins. And then that brings us to Jesus, to the one who came teaching about the good news, the kingdom of God is here, and who reached out to people and said, your sins are forgiven. Wait, sins can be forgiven? Someone can make things right between me and God? I don't have to endlessly you know, sacrifice lambs and, and turtle doves and whatever else it might have been, but I can be actually properly forgiven and the, the guilt and all of those things I've done can be taken away. And then we follow this Jesus to, until we see the way that those sins would actually be dealt with, until we saw the way that forgiveness would actually be won. Jesus taught the people, he we went, taught them about the love and the grace of God, and, yeah, and their, but also about you know, their, their guilt before God and their need to turn from their sins and to, to come to him to find forgiveness. And then he went to the cross. He died in the, the physical agony of the cross, of the, the nails through his hands and his feet, but also through the agony of bearing God's wrath on our sins. To, to steal a line from another song, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. He's taken away our guilt, nailing it to the cross. And on the cross, he paid the price that our sins demanded. And he did that because of love. He did that because of grace. He didn't do that because at that point the, the, the people of the world had done enough to show God that they were sorry for what they had done. No, the Bible says while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. He didn't come after we'd burned enough sacrifices 
or given enough money to the temple. It came because that was what Jesus chose to do because of his amazing grace. And sometimes we can come back to the father expecting like the prodigal son to get a, a kick up the backside and maybe at the very best you know, a place in the servants' quarters. But when we come back to the father, we come back to the father that comes running out with a massive hug and is delighted that we've come back to him. Do you remember when you first came home? to the loving father. When you realised that the whole point of all of this is his grace, is that he did it not because I had to earn anything, but because of his incredible love. Realise that we didn't need to keep striving to measure up to earn God's forgiveness to try and make right what we'd done wrong. How precious did that grace appear the hour we first believed. But I want to talk now to those in the church who are afraid, who sometimes find that that fear of God not a, not a deep reverence, but a fear of God creeps back into our lives. I want to speak to you. I trust that there are some of you out there uh, because that's been me at various points in my journey. It's sometimes easy to forget just how amazing grace is. And it's sometimes easy to, uh, to start thinking, well, God's already forgiven me so much. Now I've got to actually start getting it right. Now, now I've got to actually start paying him back. I mean, you know, he's made this massive down payment on my life, so now I've got to start you know, letting him get his money's worth. Sometimes fear can creep back into our lives when we stumble, when we make mistakes, when we fail to live up to our expectations that we set for ourselves or the expectations that others have set for us. And we can begin to see God as the stern father, the slightly grumpy old man, looking down, Arms crossed, eyes furrowed. Oh, I let you off once. And here you are making more mistakes. How long am I going to have to put up with you? Is that the father who came running to embrace his son or daughter? He took back his prodigal. He showed us grace when we were his enemies. How much more as his sons and daughters? How much more? 
the one who taught us that we should forgive others, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Won't Jesus practice what he preached? Doesn't he show us love time and time again? And no, that doesn't mean that we just go out and you know, do things thinking that, and do things we know God wouldn't want us to do. Go, oh, he won't care. That's not the point. The point isn't that he doesn't care. The point is that he cared but loved us anyway. And so when we respond to that love, it does over time take away the desire to do things that we know he doesn't like because we know he cares. But when we do stuff it up, we know that he loves us anyway. In finishing up, I just want to invite everyone to think about yourself. Where are you today? Perhaps there's somebody who's never actually realised, hang on, God made the world and he made me and I've spent most of my life rejecting him. Maybe they've never felt that fear of realising, actually, God has a reason to be cross with me. There, there is a penalty that my sins, that my rebellion against him deserves. Well, if you're feeling that for the first time, know that if you come to him, he will greet you like he greeted that prodigal son. That story Jesus told was to, exact, to tell us that this is what God is like to those who've made mistakes or to those who've deliberately sinned, who've done terrible things. It doesn't matter. If you come back to God, he loves you. Perhaps you've followed God for a long time, been a believer in Jesus for a long time, but fear has kept has crept back in. And sometimes it feels like we just keep stuffing it up and God must be just up there shaking his head. No, he is faithful and true. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Everybody, this side of eternity, gets it wrong sometimes. Mm probably a little more than sometimes. We all make mistakes. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us and he will forgive us our sins Sorry, and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's not a one-time deal. That's as many times as we need it. We can come to him and say, God, I made a absolute hash of that please forgive me and he will because that's who he is and we let his grace change us as we learn to trust in it change us from fear and doing things out of duty but as we come to realise how much he loves us as we come to trust in his grace, the fear begins to go away. Not like that. I, I wish it was like that because, like I said, this has been my story too. And we realise 
that as the fear goes away, we see the joy of the Christian life once more. That our Father loves us. That our Saviour gave himself for us. That we might have everlasting life. As we trust in him. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you came to show us the love of the Father. Shown to us most perfectly at the cross. I thank you for that moment when I realised I was a sinner. When your spirit convicted me of just how wretched I am and how completely hopeless it would have been for me to have saved myself by my own efforts. And I thank you that having helped us to realise our need of you, you came and you gave your son, Jesus, you gave your life for us so that we wouldn't have to save ourselves by our own efforts, which we could never do, but that we could be saved by faith in you because you had paid the price our sins demanded. We thank you that your grace relieves our fears. And I pray for anyone in here that is afraid and keeps feeling like they've let you down, you might just give them your peace and remind them that it's all about your grace and not about their efforts. Help us to do good things, but not because we're afraid or we think we have to do these things to get into heaven, but do good things to show people, show the world around us the love of the one who has loved us so much that we just want to share it with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing...